0: We are now going to join this show already in progress.
1: If you joined us for our last segment, Matt was setting us up for this segment, which is to say assholes. Let's talk about assholes in movies. You suggested this the other day, and I have not stopped thinking about this topic since then. I love the idea of any assholes in movies. They've been some of my favorite characters in the history of cinema. And so we're going to talk about the history of assholes. The first one that we said the other day when you asked me this question, I believe I said Greg Kinnear. Is that what I said? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So let's start there. Let's start with Greg Kinnear, one of my favorite assholes, because... He's also seems like such a sweet dude. And so I think that's one of the great uh, skills that he has as being an asshole is because he can also balance that out. Now, I've seen so, him be an asshole in several different things, in several different ways. So go ahead with what you're going to say.
0: So you would take him over someone like Greg Kinnear, who, like, made his whole thing about being an asshole.
1: Mm, what did I just say? Who the fuck am I talking about?
0: Uh, you, you, uh, you were talking about the first host of The Soup. You said no, Greg you, Kinnear.
1: That's what I said. And then you just said Greg Kinnear. What are you talking about, Wait, bro?
0: No, who am I talking about?
1: I don't know. That's what I'm talking about. Excuse us, everybody. We'll we take a look at the internet while Matt tries to figure out what he's talking about. In the meanwhile, I was talking about Greg Kinnear, but we are talking no, about- No, I said assets. Greg
0: Kilborn. I said Greg Kilborn. You did not. Use, uh, we're going to go to the tape later, people. Okay. I, I There's meant a bet Kil- on sorry, the I meant, table. I apologize I meant, if I didn't say it. I meant Kilborn. <laughs> uh, so so Kilborn. would you want to take someone yes. like Kilborn- mm who goes out of his way to play an asshole. No,
1: you know, uh, it's, mm, it's tough. You know what? I take that back. It's an even because both of those skills are really great yeah. skills, but I think sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not putting this on Killborn, but I think sometimes people who play that become that a little too much. And I'm going to give example of Ryan Reynolds right now, because okay. I feel like that he now he's become a one trick pony and he's not, he's super talented. He could do a thousand different things, but this kind of sarcastic asshole character that he created through Deadpool seems to just be his personality now, and I I worry about that being a thing. And I, you know, again, I, I don't think it's that way. He's got multitudes of, of of talent, but in the media or his presence in the world right now, seems to be just sticking with that.
0: Um, I I don't want to agree with you. I know I'll you don't. say that. I don't uh, want to. I know. But um. So I had mentioned to you who I think might be one of the best. Mm, yes, talk to me. Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, whether it's the sleazy asshole like on SNL with the bass mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the guy selling the, the harmful kids' toys. Bag of glass. <laughs> you know? Nice. Or if he's uh, running Zelensky Auto Parts. Mm-hmm. Or um, oh, that line in uh, Great Outdoors, got to introduce the urinal to Mister Thick Dick, <laughs> and he like yes. shouts it in the middle of you know a bar. It's like, is there anyone who's better at being an asshole than him? Mm.
1: It's hard to say, but like, I mean, choice. like,
0: it, he's such a good asshole. Yep. But then you have someone like Bill Murray, who's always a lovable asshole, right? For sure. Like. Even when he's the nicest, his character is. You're like, geez, this, this fucking guy, here, man. Look <laughs> <kind> out of an <laughs> asshole. And like, you know what? that was
1: the comedy that I grew. It was funny. You know I don't like those kind of things. Yet, Chevy that's Chase the comedy that I like. Yeah, Chevy Chase as well. And um, I mean, Fletch is. I mean it's the epitome of that and and it works for him you know like that that's kind of the perfect character of an asshole uh, my best friend was I think had a lot of fletch in him so I I really like <laughs> that kind of version of an asshole there's you know a thousand different versions you know, As I'm looking through this list I realize, you know what Tom Cruise in Collateral that guy was an asshole but just in a different way he was just a straight asshole but he was an asshole that had a job to do and poor Jamie Fox got the brunt end of his asshole-ishness
0: Oh oh oh, oh. Bill Paxton
1: uh bill motherfucking paxton r.i.p to one of our favorites here at the show yeah he could do anything up
0: to and including being a wonderful asshole i mean he's a pathetic asshole in true lies like that's just one of the greatest all-time characters saddest asshole oh my god but he is also first class hole in um weird science as (laughs) chet like he is like the epitome of eighties assholes, him yep. and William Zabka. <laughs> oh, Zabka for sure. Yep. <laughs> oh, Zabka. Okay. You know what? No, I'm not going to say Zabka because we only view him as an asshole in two movies because of the main characters. Because we're viewing the
1: movie from right. Yep.
0: Cobra Kai has done five seasons now, showing he wasn't really an asshole. He wasn't the guy. Yep. And then you take a look at, um, uh, Back to School. And he tells Mellon, hey, you messed this up. If you do it again, you know, you can't work with us, even though he's not even on the team. Mm-hmm. And then his dad gets him put on the team. He hits on his girlfriend in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, William Zabka is not really an asshole in that movie either. I think it's just because he was a good looking blonde kid in the 80s and you just immediately think asshole. Yeah. But he can wasn't get, an asshole. Now, tell little- McGinley. Ah, Ben
1: McKinley. Let's hang Dang on, hang on. Asshole. Let's get into him. But I want I want you to give me your best Rodney Dangerfield before we do.
0: Oh, the best Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, you mm-hmm. want me to do an impression? Yes,
1: uh, I can't. Uh, I can't do an impression. Mm-hmm. I get no respect. No respect. No, res-
0: oh. no respect.
1: Okay, so let's let's talk about <laughs> it let's, let's talk <laughs> about your guy. The asshole levels Ted that McGinley. he's been in. He is the perfect that guy. First of all, yes, and he is the perfect that guy asshole from anything from. That uh, What I just watched the other day with, uh, with Tim Robbins and uh, Martin Lawrence. What is that movie? No Way Out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he plays one of the people that try to rob him, but then ends up, you know, it doesn't work out for him so much. Oh, my God. That dude is the best.
0: Ted McGinley is... He's a special kind of asshole where no matter how asshole he gets, I, I still love watching him. Mhm. And uh by the way he's not in scrubs. Ted McGinley, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh Ted McGinley um he's a lovable kind of doofy asshole in stuff like uh, uh Married to Children, right? Yes. But uh Revenge of the Nerds like he's just the asshole. And I think because of him everyone kind of got lumped into that you know, eighties blonde haired asshole, douche asshole.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I can agree with that. How about Tim Robbins? Can I get a little Tim Robbins asshole love? Uh well I mean. And I, I meant John C. McGinley. I knew you're talking about. Yeah, that's, John C that, McGinley. No, no John talking.
0: John C. McGinley. Ooh. Also a great asshole. Uh oh, I mean office space. Really good asshole, mm-hmm. um, and and he's like corporate asshole where there's like no personality behind it, which is kind of great. Um, is
1: um I, I, this was where I was Robbins, going with Tim yeah. Robbins. Um, is the player the best asshole in movie history?
0: I don't even think he's that big of an asshole in the movie. Mm. When I, when I think of Tim Robbins an asshole, I think of uh. uh what was it? A uh, sideshow, uh, sideshow Bob Roberts. That's the Bob Roberts. <laughs> Bob Roberts, the movie okay. Bob Roberts. That's <laughs> I can only think of things through Simpsons references. No, but Bob Roberts, especially at the end where you see his toe tapping and you're like, he's faking being paralyzed. That is supreme assholer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Do you have a favorite female asshole that you can think of uh, uh, in the movies?
0: Oh, um, yeah, uh, for live action. Mm-hmm. This is gonna sound silly, but there are very few people I hate as much as Dolores Umbridge in Harry Potter. Oh, nice that! Oh man, but my all-time and it's bothered me ever since I was a kid is the evil stepmother from Cinderella. Mm. She's <laughs> like, I, I, I hate saying cartoonishly because she is, but when she locks her away, like even as an adult, like I just get so angry thinking about it, then tripping her and breaking or tripping him and breaking the slipper. And it's just, it, 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 there's no reason to be that evil. And uh, yeah, that one really upsets me. But um, Dolores Umbridge, she's a great asshole. Give me a nice Nurch ratchet as well. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one. Yeah. Anytime there's someone abusing their power. Yeah, You know, that that really gets under my skin. On yeah. um, this list that I'm reading right now, I would have
1: never thought about this, but this is freaking genius. And now this is my submission, the best asshole movie the- movie history. The guy from old boy who does all that stuff to the main character, the- <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's my asshole of the uh, millennia right there.
0: Well, I don't know. He, you know,
1: I mean, he, he- had a motivation to do it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, that was all pretty asshole thing to do.
0: So so I've got a funny story um, about f- a famous movie asshole. Yes, please. And probably one of the biggest from our childhood. Love it. Let's do it. Now, let me just say this is all second and third hand. This is alleged. Mm. But. Yes. Um, one of my professors in college mm-hmm. said his sister in the 80s used to date the actor who played Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. Okay. And said he was a really nice guy until Ghostbusters came out. And everyone started treating him like an asshole because he was in the movie. Mm -hmm. And people were so mean to him, it eventually turned him into a bit of an asshole. Ah, William Atherton is his name. Yes. Now, is that true? I have no idea. I've never met the guy right i cannot say that one way or the other i hope it's not true but if it is true i can totally understand why for sure because people don't see people you know as they are they see them as their characters yep um you know that's why leonard nimoy hated being called spock <laughs> you know right. um but when you're known as the asshole who almost destroyed new york city mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you gotta imagine like kids throwing stuff at your car. Yeah. Yep, I would think so.
1: so uh, Christoph Walson and Glorious Bastards. I want to make sure that he gets a a nod from us as well.
0: Oh, uh, let if we're gonna go down that road, we Please. have to um we have to include DiCaprio from Django and Jane.
1: For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the greatest yeah. asshole in history.
0: Yeah. And and if if you're gonna do that, uh, you you, you got to go with uh, Sam Jackson's character. Mm. Like oh. that guy's an asshole. Mm.
1: So I wanted to talk about something that we don't talk about a lot because it requires reading. And what I'm talking about is books about movies. This is. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited about talking about books, about movies today. I love so many books about movies. I would say this probably comes from Tarantino's new book about uh, movie reviews that he's written. So I'm fascinated about this. I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. But I wanted to reflect on some of our favorite books about movies, whether it's about movies, the industry, screenplays, all that kind of stuff. Anything that goes to movies. Let's talk about what is the greatest book about movies of all time.
0: Well, it depends on how you want to view books about movies. That's fair. um, When I went to the New York Film Academy, I was 16, and they suggested reading film directing shot by shot by, I think, Stephen Katz. Mm. Is his name? This big blue book. I'm aware of that book. And I read it on the plane flight. It is a big book, and I tore through that thing. And there's a lot of really good advice. Like, don't start your movie with a close-up of an alarm clock. (laughs) <laughs> okay but just don't do it yeah um don't hire your your girlfriend to be in it you know what yeah um there's a lot of practical advice so i i really like books like that there's another one that i i really loved in college so much so uh one of my professors borrowed it from me and never gave it back <laughs> <Dick>. <laughs> called um how to make a feature film for under ten thousand dollars and not go to jail I, I know that one as well yep it's one of the funniest books i've ever read and It'll tell you how to rent a camera for two days and only pay two days, but you really get it for five. Um, It gives you recipes that are like $5 and how you can feed 30 people with it. You know, it is incredibly practical. Now, if you're talking about movie uh, books about the ideas of movies or anything like that, uh, Mm -hmm. I love, there's a, uh, it's like one of the only biographies that was actually approved by uh, Kubrick's estate and that and that's a great book that is a a great book um but yeah i've always kind of stuck to uh uh i think the practical ones the practical books a little more and otherwise you know if i really liked a uh, a critic i would usually you know check their stuff out online or in the newspaper
1: are you a john pearson guy are you familiar with john pearson no Uh, He wrote a book in the late 90s, I believe, called uh, Spike, Mike, Slackers, and Dykes, Ah. and that that was the first introduction on the world of independent cinema to me because it was about uh, Kevin Smith, it was about uh, Tarantino, and it was about the rise of Miramax and all the kind of stuff that was happening at that time, 92, 93, somewhere around in there, and I really found it fascinating, but it also kind of gave me a look into the business of making films and kind of how that works, and you know, whether it's the glad handling or all the terrible things that go on behind the scenes, I, that was definitely one of the early books that got me really interested in making movies for sure. For sure. And, you know, it talked a little bit about, you know, making independent movies and how difficult it is, but also the yeah. ways to be able to do that.
0: I was always uh, more of a publication, like like a, a, a periodical mm-hmm. kind of person. Like uh, I bought Cinefex for years, mm. um, but if there were movie making magazines or journals, I would usually you know, get those at like Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Um. I don't know why. I, I just, um, I I found them easier to di- digest and get into. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 I I've don't never know asked this is. question,
1: I don't think, before on the pod, but I, I'm curious now because we're talking about books and his book is one of my favorites, uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade. But did you have any uh, William Goldman uh, interaction at uh, USC? No. Did they speak no, I about, I mean, like... Um... Because for me, I always thought that, you know, one of the great writers and understanders of how to write scripts was was William Goldman. That adventure in the screen trade is fascinating because he talks about, uh, you know, the movies that he was doing at the time. Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid is in there, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no,
0: no, There, his reading, his books were definitely in the reading Mm. there and people and the professors did talk about him Um. But then again, our professors also, like, push their own books, right? So, like, sure. one, of my prof- one of my professors was Todd Boyd. So the first book I had to go get for his class was the new HNIC. <laughs> Which, and I,
1: I feel like during that time, the 80s stuff was passe. You know, I a don't little think bit. they had come back at that point. So, yeah, yeah, I completely. Understand. Yeah,
0: because, like, I mean, this was 2001, you know. Yeah. So, and a lot of times what they would do is they would take – like three, four chapters from a book that they thought was uh, relevant. And yep. we would have to go buy basically these like 200 page binders that they would have at like the university printing store mm-hmm. that were excerpts from all of the different readings. So we didn't have to go buy 50 books. Right. right? And we just spent like $90 on this Xerox thing. Do
1: you still have those? Uh, no. Ah, no, uh, that I, I kept all my Russian notes from Russian film class because I knew some of that stuff. I'd never, I don't fucking remember. I, I
0: do have my notebooks nice. from classes, but no, those um, I, I I've had to leave. I've moved so often, especially know, yep. my especially my first three years of marriage, yeah, we moved nineteen times. Yeah. So it, it I've had to leave behind more things than a lot of people have ever owned. Yeah, <laughs> um, I and I I've literally left behind at this point two personal libraries of of, of books. Oh, um, I mean, there is one semester at SC where I, I had to spend like $750, 800 on books, and that was just one semester. Jeez. You know, so you look at eight semesters worth of classes and, you know, we're talking about just the stuff I had to read for class. I had bought what, at least like 70 books. Know, 60 books. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I want to give a shout out to uh, BFI. They have a series of book collections, the BFI film classics books that I would highly recommend if there's any movie on there that you'd like to read these books because they have a collection of essays about the movie, observations. So the Pulp Fiction one is probably the best. And so they have essays about understanding what was going on at the time, essays about the characters within that, how that works within the world. And I would highly suggest if anybody is interested and really want to know more about whatever movie that it is, Citizen Kane, whatever, they've got books on that. And I would, I would highly, highly recommend it. They did it for like a decade. So there's a whole bunch of them out there. You can get them on eBay for, you know, five, ten bucks, whatever a piece, unless, you know, they're one of the classics. I think the Seventh Seal one may be like 50 bucks or whatever, but yeah. who cares about the Seventh Seal? Who? Uh, a lot of people. I know. I know they do. Don't they? Indeed, did you ever read The Kid Stays in the Picture or see the movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Evans is one of my favorite storytellers of all time. So anytime he's uh, uh, spinning a tale of yarn about old Hollywood, mm, I'm there. My
0: my roommate uh, actually went over to his house um, <gasps> a, a, a couple of times. Yeah, and he sent me the brochure when after he died and they were auctioning off everything. Yeah, and I almost bought an ashtray. There was an ashtray in like one of his living rooms. And it was like 300 bucks. And I was like, it's one of the cheapest things here. Cause like, you know, they had paintings going for thousands of I'm dollars, sure. Yeah, but I'm like, most people aren't going to touch the painting, but you're talking about an ashtray in the sixties, seventies and eighties, every person, everybody who was anybody. Yep. Ashed out something in that ashtray. And I, I wanted to buy it, but I was like, I, I have no reason to and <laughs> right. I couldn't I couldn't say to my wife, hey, I'm going to spend three hundred dollars on an ashtray. Yeah. You know, because that's stupid. At the end of the day, that's stupid. And I kind of regret not getting it because honestly, everyone would have used that. Everybody would have mm-hmm. used that ashtray. Everybody. Um, and that would have been such an interesting little piece to have. But
1: do you ever read oh, well. uh, the books uh that they make into movies or then when back in the day they would you know write the book after the movie do you ever do those at all you a fan of those
0: um not so much um i've i've read a few of them but honestly um if i like it it's tough for me to enjoy both right yeah like i read sphere first thought the movie was a little too close to the book Mm. you know and didn't but didn't enjoy it um loved Jurassic Park as a kid then I read the book and I'm like what is this This (laughs) the same thing and same thing with Jaws right so um I understand why people who read the book first get upset when it's not like the book but um I also don't if it's not a if it's not a graphic novel or a comic book, I don't read a lot of non I don't read a lot of fiction anyway. Yeah. When I do read, it's fiction. Um, it's non-fiction. So, uh, yeah, like it's never been a big thing for me because I just don't read a lot of fiction books. I just I can't get into them.
1: I dig that, and I agree with you. And the other reason for me, and it's a dumb reason, but it's my reason. So, what are you going to do? Is I'll read a book that's been made into a movie and uh, I, the worry is I'll be like, Oh, I could have told that story better, but they've yeah. already made the movie. So you can't do that. And so sometimes it feels like, Hey, eh, that's why I don't. I don't them. All right. We have made it to the end of another perfect episode of Matt men movies podcast, where we shared all of our knowledge about everything to you today. We've got a little bit more to give Matt. This is the time of the show where we always recommend something for the people to watch in the week ahead, whether it's a movie, a TV show. It could be a YouTube video if you wanted it to be. It doesn't matter. But I ask you now,
0: Matt, what should the people watch this week? Uh, Blue Moon. It's available on Prime and on Tubi. Buy that baby Uh, now. (laughs) Yeah, or just stream it. Let it stream a few times in the background. If you're not doing anything, that's fine by me. Uh, Um. I'm gonna say, did I last time? Did I mention um, uh, only murders in the building? You did. I did. Yeah, we we did that pretty recent, recently. Uh, check out the Fablemans. Check, check it, out. it out. Yeah, for yeah.
1: sure. All right, I dig on that. The Fablemans is definitely on my list to watch before the end of the year. And since we've talked very recently, I don't think I've seen a whole lot that I even admit to tell the people, except I did watch Highlander 3, and we'll do a whole entire episode about that at some point in time. Don't you worry. But you know what? I feel it's been disrespected recently. I feel like it doesn't get the love that it deserves. I feel like that people don't acknowledge the impact and the importance of this movie and the greatness of this movie. So you know what? If you take a little time this weekend, go watch Bonnie and Clyde. I think that movie is perfect. I think it's excellent. I think it's the transition from old Hollywood to New Hollywood. You see that within the film. And I think that is a joy to watch every time I watch it. So and Bonnie and Clyde is my recommendation.
0: I agree with you hundred percent. And I feel like that's one of those movies that a generation and a half from now is going to be completely forgotten.
1: Gone, not even
0: acknowledged. Yeah.
1: And that yeah. hurts my feelings. But Jean Delim, number one. Who knows? I don't you know make what
0: sense of you anything. know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you give you an extra one because I, I just got my tickets in two days. I am seeing a 35 millimeter print of True Lies, and I'm taking my kids and my wife, and it's going to be the best time because this is at the. It's a movie that's 27 years old, and it was the biggest movie, like the biggest production budget of all time when it came out, and it has almost been completely forgotten to time because you just not find it. Stupid! It's incredibly stupid, but the and I told my girls. The fact that the movie was this big, made by the biggest people in Hollywood at the top of their game, and it's been forgotten, should really scare you as to how yeah. much stuff is going to be lost going forward. And we can talk about the new HBO shenanigans you know, next time. But yeah, like go watch True Lies. Find it however you can and watch the hell out of True Lies and share it because, my God, we cannot let this movie be forgotten.
1: I think I'm going to shave my mustache in uh, the Bill Paxton way next time I grow my mustache. Oh, please. In honor of. In honor of. That is the end of the show. We're done. We're through. We're out. Anything left to say?
0: See ya.